This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. All right, we are live with Dr. Ashton Billamoria. We are back after I don't know how many weeks, but this is the first time as of this recording on May 18th that you and I, have we seen each other in person for <sighs> since the end of March? Well, March 28th was the last time we saw each other. That's Oh, that's right, at your that, wedding. That's right. The that's nuptials. Right. Yes. So for those that didn't know who follow the podcast closely because we have so many listeners out there. <laughs> Um, Dr. Ashton was supposed to have the wedding in Florida, but obviously because of COVID-19 that got postponed. So, um, of course they had to find a better looking person to marry them, which was me. It was a good call. It was a good call getting Justin to marry us. So they did get married. It was a pretty, it was a pretty cool thing. I mean, it wasn't ideal, but nothing in life is. And, no, uh, you make the most out of it. And we've been married almost two months now so, and, and we're still happy. So no one's good. moved out yet. No one's moved out yet, which is good. Congratulations. Thanks. That's good. But being back in the office, a little, little weird at first. Yeah. But it's feeling good. It's feeling natural. Yeah. And ready for us to reopen. Yeah. So we are currently came in today to start to make our plans as to when we are starting to work in person and formally do that. So we're getting all of our cleaning supplies ready. We are actually setting up an outside treatment sit- station with a tent and a portable treatment table. And we can put a yoga mat out there for people that potentially feel more comfortable um, not being treated inside, which again, the n- nice part is that the, it's May and June. So the weather will be, be nice. nice. We might actually uh, open up a new a new line of business for people out there. I know I'll be excited to work outside on those nice days where we're trapped in the office. It'll mm-hmm. feel good to actually be outside yeah. and treating people. So it'll be nice. And then the other part too, even if we have to treat inside or want to treat inside, we have both of our treatment um, rooms here have windows mm-hmm. so we can keep the windows open and get more air circulating, which I know for a lot of people is is important. So we're, we're excited about getting back and we're happy to be able to offer it. We are going to offer still our telehealth sessions, which is what we're going to spend the most time talking about today. But more so than that, we're going to give people options, which is always nice for them to have. They'll have options whether they want to see us in person or whether they want to see us um, virtually. And it just gives people a little more opportunity to get themselves feeling good. Yeah, and the good news is, and you'll hear about it today on the podcast about telehealth, the results don't change whether we're in person or it's over a screen. The way we treat an office is the same way you're going to get treated on telehealth. And a little bit about the podcast today, you'll find that out. Yeah. So what I think you're alluding to, if we don't learn lessons during this time, then we're the ones that screwed up. And for us, I, one of the things that I've taken away right away from COVID-19 has been that our treatment style and philosophy, it doesn't actually change that much, which to be honest, some of our colleagues potentially look down upon how we treat patients as, you know, going through chiropractic school, just to give people out there a bit of a background, it's very hands-on. Chiropractor literally means to use your hands. However, um, as, you know, we've developed a treatment philosophy here at Strive to Move, it's not that we don't use our hands and we don't do manual therapy on patients and we don't do adjustments when necessary, but we've always taken the philosophy that, we want to help you help yourself first, which that usually involves us 
teaching you, showing you body movements, whether that's posture, whether that's stretches, whether Mm -hmm. that's mobility drills, because we feel that that really delivers that long-term result. And we've had in the past two or three weeks, new patients and every single one of them follows the same exact thing in what they have always had. They've had chronic back pain that they've managed, I use with quotes, quotes, air quotes, with massage, with chiropractic, with acupuncture, all of which do not let me work chiropractors. Like we believe in manual therapy. We mm-hmm. believe in acupuncture. We refer out to that all the time, but they were managing it with the managing the symptoms with that. But now with the quarantine, they haven't been able to use that and they're in a lot more pain and don't know what to do about it. In every single case, what have we found? We found that there were other things that they're not doing that we've been able to help them and treat them virtually, right? And so my dad, the other day, he and I were playing golf and he said to me, he said, he's like, I know you're doing virtual sessions. I just don't like understand how. And I said to him, I said, dad, do you remember about three or four months ago when you were having back pain? He said, yeah. I said, you remember I came over to your house on my portable treatment table and, and, uh, and treated you? He said, yeah. I said, how much of that time did I spend actually doing hands-on work? And the light bulb goes off, doesn't it? He's like, oh. He's like, yeah, maybe 10%. I mm-hmm. said, so how much of that could we have accomplished if I was on Zoom call? And he goes, good point. Right? So it hasn't changed for us. So what have you specifically seen over the past um, – I guess now six, eight weeks, and what kind of problems have you seen? What lessons have you learned from from what we've been doing? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned personally with doing telehealth is how to become a better communicator. So often in the treatment room, it is hands off, but I'm putting the patient in the position that I want them to, as opposed to letting them figure it out. And I think it's better, it's almost a mindset switch going on telehealth because I'm not there to manually correct their knee position or their shoulder position or their rib cage. Like they have to figure out. So it's almost forced me to use my words a lot more clear, a lot better for lack of better terms for them to figure it out on their, on their own. And I think that's been a huge benefit to the patient because once they figure it out, you can see the eyes light up, the confidence starts setting in and they're feeling confident in themselves that they can help themselves. And at the end of the day, that's what's important because they spend more time outside of the treatment room than in the treatment with it with us. So it's important that they figure out how to move more efficiently, but better yet, like they take charge. So they're taking charge. They're being more efficient. And, you know, as everyone probably has seen on my Instagram, I'm playing a lot of golf. <laughs> a, um, a little? A lot of golf, a little bit. Well, it's only once a week. I mean, some people play two, three, so let's not get out of hand here. Um, but... One of the most frustrating things on the golf course is when you're not hitting the ball well and you don't know what the hell to do to fix it. It's like you feel like powerless. You don't. It's horrible. Um, and we've all kind of been there. Our patients a lot of times have the same issue, right? And that they have back pain and they they're like, I don't. It just hurts. I don't know what to do. My massage therapist is closed. I can't get an appointment with the chiropractor. What the hell do I do? Um, and so knowing that that's the case. What we hope to do all the time, whether it's virtually or in person, is start to empower them and give them strategies. Not to say that, you know, what we told them six months ago will be relevant today, but it's usually a lot of steps in the right direction where we can start to improve people sometimes even before they come to see us. I love it when people call me and say, hey, I've been doing everything you said. It's helped about 30, 40%. What, else, what am I missing, mm-hmm. right? 
rather than them not understanding anything at all. They get hurt or they're feeling pain and they just wait for it to get bad. And then they come back to us and it's like they're, they're it's like they never left. And, and that's where, you know, I think a lot of people miss the boat just in that they don't understand what the heck to do to help themselves most of the time. Yeah. And a lot of people I've noticed on telehealth is that they're just looking for either guidance or accountability. So many people had a routine set of them going to the gym, getting their exercises or anything of just being outside. And due to COVID, you know, you're not able to go outside. You're not able to go to the gym. So they're like, what do I do? Like, I'm, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. They sit more, leave some more pain. And they're just, they're unsure of how to help themselves. So what are the, I guess, for people out there that are still at home in quarantine, or maybe they are going to go back to work, Let's talk about maybe desk setup or posture, because one of the first things that we've seen with people, then when they start working at home, their their setup has changed. What are some things that you've, excuse me, instructed people to do? Uh, yeah, in that it, case? it's actually turned out well in our favor because we do that in the treatment room, but we don't have, they're not in their house. So we physically can't see where they would be working or what their desk would look like. So over telehealth, it's nice because we will ask, show me your workstation. They'll show us their workstation. So a lot of the times what we want to look for is we say the rules of 90, right? Knees and hips at 90, arms at 90, nice upright posture. And so for example, most people don't have a stand-up desk at home. So we make the best of it. So you can find a countertop that's appropriate height level that will avoid you of stooping over to look at your computer. So tell me more about that. Um, let's go back to two things you mentioned there, the rule of 90s and the stand-up desk. So the rule of 90s is something as... I tell the, I use the example that I was on a Zoom call with a local gym, and um, there was like four, or five, only four or five people on it, and both of both people had questions about desk setup and posture. Interesting. One girl on the call was like five foot zero, maybe, <laughs> and her feet wouldn't touch the ground, right? So she had to like slouch her body forward just to get her feet on the ground and end up in a crappy position. The other one was like six foot four. So you had two opposite heights of the spectrum. Asking the same question, right? So where the the tall one, her knees are pictured like a tall person. Their knees are like in their face. <laughs> the other one, her feet don't even touch the ground. So how do you give someone advice, like generally speaking, when literally it's the total opposite? And so in that case, I was thinking about it. And it's like, well, it's the rule of 90s. In that the lady that has her knees tucked all the way to her chin, she's like hyper flexing her hips and she's got like a 10 degree, 15 degree of hip flexion. Which I can't feel good for prolonged periods of sitting like that. Right. And then someone that can't reach the ground, if they're slouching and leaning into the chair, they're opening up their hips from like to 150 degrees, which puts their back in a bad position. So either way, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. So specific advice of saying X, Y, and Z would be the opposite for each. So what do you do? Give them a general rule to follow and they figure out how to set themselves up appropriately right so if they're at 90 degrees with their back so if you think about where your butt and your spine meet if you're looking at someone from the side in their chair they can create basically an l position from their spine to their hips that's a 90 degree angle and then you go one joint lower from their thighs to their knees where their you know where their knees are they can create a 90 degree angle there they're going to be in good position if their feet are on the floor that's a 90 degree angle so you have 90 degrees at the ankles at the knees at the hips and low back and then the fourth one is that 90 degree angle at the elbows right? So a lot of us out there have laid in bed and start text messaging to the point that our fourth and fifth, our pinky finger and go our numb. ring finger go numb. 
that's because you're laying in bed, your arms are flexed more than 90 degrees and you start compressing on the nerve. Same rules apply when you're typing. If you're kind of typing and your elbows are all jacked up and they're really, they're kind of decreasing that angle, you're going to create a set of problems. So that rule of 90 when you're sitting and then the stand-up desk, because everyone just thinks, um, I was doing another Zoom call this Friday with my gym at, at Pratt Performance and I was talking about how some people have had a stand-up desk and they've only done the stand-up desk and they've created another set of problems in that like all they do is stand and now their feet hurt or whatever. And this guy, and and again, I use these examples and sometimes it's like, maybe they won't believe me. Anything I'm full of crap. Like <laughs> no one's going to hurt their feet when they stand up. Some guy who was on the call will go to the gym with, he goes, I can back that up. He's like, I got a stand-up desk at work. And within like three or four months, my feet started to go numb. I had to buy one of those save, those feet one saver mats. Yeah. Interesting. Because again, any extreme is going to be a problem. Yeah, right. any prolonged position, whether you're sitting or standing, is going to create a whole nother set of problems for you. So the idea of the stand-up desk is great. We love the stand-up desk. But again, any too much of a good thing is not good. Correct. So then that will lead into what we've been harping on a lot during tele while people are working at home are micro breaks. Micro breaks. Yes, micro breaks. And also, I want to get to this because um, I one of my favorite lines is, when, when you've started to make it on the internet, it's when you start getting trolled. This is kind of off topic, but not really. Stay Wait, with me you, for a second. So you know the video that we made, the five tips to better like better your health, yeah. back pain, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Remember we talked about stand-up desks. Mm-hmm. Remember what we use for stand-up desk? Excuse me. A box. A box, like for like T-shirts. Yeah. Probably not the most sturdy. It's what piece. we had at the time, but it's what not we had the most the time. ideal. So when we posted that video, one of the comments was basically, good advice, my computer will fall through a stand-up desk. <laughs> Which again, that means I was I was so happy with that because if I'm starting to get trolled on the internet, it means I'm it means kind. People are listening. Means I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah, Loki. So yeah, exactly. So, but the point is, you don't have to have people are like, oh, I don't. My boss won't buy me a stand-up desk. Like, all right, fine. If if you can get a good roll of duct tape, that thing fixes everything. Find a box and and put it upright. Get a stack of books and use it. Now again, I use a stack of books. Put it on my countertop. Use my old textbooks. Works like a charm. And if your computer breaks, don't send me the bill. But <laughs> still, the point is, you don't need to like go and buy a three, four, five hundred dollar stand up desk. Um, you can use books. You can use if you want that. Great to go yeah. ahead and do it. They have ones that are sweet. But you don't need that. No, you don't. So we have the stand up desk. We have the rule of nineties. And then the other part with the stand up desk that people don't talk about. Which in a perfect situation, we say, what's ideal? Ideal would be that if you imagine you're standing up and you're typing, your elbows are at 90 degrees, so you're at the countertop. The problem is if you're working on a laptop is that you're still kind of looking down and hunched over. So if we could like be king for a day and create the perfect setup, it would be laptop or keyboard at 90 with a monitor straight out in front of you, which we do have a few of our patients that we have been able to do that with. But that's the perfect setup. Not always, it can't always happen, but um, but in a perfect world, you would be able to that's stand what up. I'd want. The other part of this too, with the stand-up desk um, that we talk about, because people end up swaying a lot, they're moving, like I'm one of those mm-hmm. people that I just start moving around. Uh, if you have a, a bench, a small bench, like a six, seven inches off the ground, or for us, we have kettlebells in the office that have handles on them that you can kind of put one foot up on and rest and then put another foot up on and rest. A lot of times that's something that allows for that variety and, and that change that, that a lot of people kind of need throughout their day. Your foot slipped on the kettlebell in the video, didn't it? On mm-hmm. one you recorded at home? 
Probably. You just kept going though. It was good. You just kept going. You got it. One take. Yeah, always one take. You know, uh, one of our one of our mentors. You know, one bite. Everyone knows the rules. <laughs> in, in our office, it's one take. Everyone knows the rules. And it'll force you to be on your game. That's right. Or you just go with it. You better go with it. <laughs> no editing. One take, unless it gets really out of hand. But very rarely, very rarely does does that happen. I always enjoy when um, you do video assessments with new people and mm-hmm. they come in, and you're like, "Yeah, we only do one take." Well, and like, like, and their face just drops, and they're like, yeah. "Oh no, I've been practicing like five times, five times in a row for this." And it's like, "No, just one time. Nope. That's it." No, yeah, we do one. No one's got time for that. Got to be on your game. Um, okay, so stand up desk rule of nineties. One of the other things that I've been super interested in is we've had quite a few people that work out at home, work out, do online workouts that might not necessarily work with a trainer, which again is is not a bad thing. It's fine. The thing that I've been seeing a lot though is they're actually doing the right exercises the wrong way. Correct. So what's your take on like what's uh, what's a good way to put this? What do you think about people that, you know, are in pain and they're exercising a lot and maybe they found a workout online and, and it might not be going well. What's some advice that you might have for them and, and trying to understand like, oh, should they even be working out or what what do you think they should do in that case? So if I'm understanding it, people that find these exercises online, but they're working through the pain? Yeah, I mean, I guess just what's your take on, because you've seen some of these cases with me where, like I said, and we've seen that they were either going to physical therapy or they were finding an online workout and they're actually doing the exercises are incorrect. The exercises are fine, but the way they're doing the exercises are the problem. Um, I would just tell them to be careful what you try like doesn't mean it's don't get discouraged it doesn't mean like you said it's not the wrong exercise for you we just need to figure out how you can properly do it a little bit better yeah so let's let's it's a good thing that they find that they want to get use exercise to yeah. help them but if they're going to get discouraged because they think it's hurting them and that's the biggest takeaway that i've had overall is that if, if you're out there and you're in the audience and you're listening and you have pain potentially even chronic pain and You've been to PT, you've been to chiropractor, because that's the, a lot of the history of, of our patients. Or you're doing an online workout and, and you just feel terrible when you're done. Um, the workout might be okay. The exercises might be okay. But potentially you're just not doing them correctly. And one of the things that I started to do, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel with patients, right? So you, you know the patient that I'm talking about mm-hmm. where she said, I have these online workouts. I've gone to physical therapy and here's what I did. Justin, seven, eight years ago, would have said, like, all right, I need to reinvent the wheel, right? I need to give them new exercises. Mm -hmm. Justin in in 2020 is, let me see what you're doing them first, and then let me see how you're doing Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that always provides some sort of insight to know, like, hey, this has worked in the past. Let's see why it might not be working now. Correct. And so what we've seen is that this particular patient that we're speaking about who did 20 sessions of physical therapy, I just have taken her program that she had in PT and I watched her do it and it seemed almost obvious as to why she was having a problem. She was having chronic lower back pain and all the exercise that she was doing intended to strengthen her abs. She was doing in a position that was overworking her lower back and underworking her abs. And by the end of it, her back was spasming. And so... For me, it was like, give me your program. Let's go through it. And then every single exercise, we're going to change the way that you're doing it. And that's what we've done so far. I was pretty – my mouth dropped when you showed me her her plan from PT. And, the, like, the exercises were fine. 
it's the position that they had the the dummy or the diagram in that I almost was like shocked that they would use the, this on the her. model. The model, yeah, in air quotes. Model. That was one of her online programs. That was in the PT program. Oh well, close enough. Close though. enough. Yeah. E- either way, the model, her position was atrocious, terrible, right? So, and the one that stood out the most. So again, picture this: this patient's lower back pain. And the exercise, I don't know if you remember, what was the position of the ex the exercise that it was the worst the worst one? Do you remember? I think it was her pressing. Her oh, tricep, overhead tricep, tricep yeah. press. Yeah, you're right. So again, think about this for a sec. We're here treating someone for back pain, and we're looking at the way she's doing a tricep press <laughs> extension overhead, and that was absolutely atrocious and something that was making her back significantly worse. What does upper body have to do with your lower back? Well, if you're holding your lower back in a position that you're straining it, you're, you're going to be in trouble. And that's exactly what was happening. And just think of how many times she was doing those type of exercises repeatedly over and over and just feeding into her cycle. Yeah, for sure. Um, talk to me now about some of your golfers. You've been you've been doing some virtual sessions with, with some of our golfers. What are the things that you've been seeing with them that's been helpful with them as the season has started? And, and what are some things that you've been working on that maybe some of our golfers out there might get some value out of understanding? Yeah, I have one in particular. Um, he's, you know, works in finance, yada, yada. He works his job all the time. And the thing that he lost the most with his gym was that he just lost his workouts. So from an accountability perspective, we've been doing workouts once a week with him, but he's noticing that he's sitting for longer periods at home as opposed to the office. He was getting up and moving more. So someone that doesn't already move well just compounds into something that will make him not move well again. He What happened is, so now we've been working golf-specific mobility exercises with him. Which is a lot of more rotation. A lot of like mid-back rotation, hip rotation, um, a lot of rotational drills that we've been using with him. Yeah. So just as a side note, the thing, first of all, people don't realize the level of mobility required to try and play golf well. You know, we know, we think about like the typical club golfer. It's like the seven-year-old dude that can't move for shit. Um, and if you really get down and start diving deep into the golf swing and golf mechanics, it, it is a very athletic move. It takes a lot of mobility and strength. It takes a lot of, of things that, quite frankly, a lot of the people we see don't, do don't very well. You think about it, a backswing. You're loading into a backswing, and then you're exploding out of it. Yeah, you're rotating huge internal rotation on a hip, loading a knee and an ankle joint, twisting hopefully not too much in the lower back, the thoracic spine, the and shoulders getting an external in the rotation, hip. neck is re- rotating relative to the T spine. Uh, all of those things have to happen in sequence. Hit the stupid little white ball so you can chase it down the fairway, um, and to do it well, repeatedly, 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 repeatedly. The, what, the other part of that that many of the people out there may not also take into account is the typical workouts, you know, even good workouts, like the average place where you go to work with a trainer um, are very much you move in one, we call it the sagittal plane where it's front to back. So if you picture like a squat, a deadlift, a lunge, a press, a pull, a lot of those are are pulling front to back or moving in one plane right. of motion. And that is very, very, very different than our golf players and our tennis players, all of those very much rotational athletes, which also happen to be the most common sports that, you know, the, the 30 plus year old people play. play. Yeah. And so 
it's interesting to start to look at it and say, okay, what if, okay, what if someone is actually trying to take care of themselves and go to the gym and do their training protocol? Do we need to focus more on that rotation in the hip and, and the stability necessary and the mobility necessary to play those sports, even if it's not at a high level, at a level that they can sustain? Because many workout plans, you know, again, let's talk to people that do actually work out. You know, are they being are they doing what they what they should be the uh, it made the news the other day and it's it's interesting because a lot of us kind of knew this already but Tiger Woods they asked him like what he would do different and he's like running like crushed my knees I ran three five miles every day during like the mecca of my career and it crushed my knees blah 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 now a lot of us that are in the business or have like kind of researched Tiger mm-hmm. know that he so that was like his mo not running specifically but he trained very At much intense level right well just like not even but not i would golf specific i golf. would say I gotcha. um he was very like into military stuff he would go to like you know like boot camp mm-hmm. styles would just beating the crap out of his body which does nothing to help your golf game so you know it was it was interesting for him to say that now running is not bad for a golfer if that's the only thing you're doing and there's no other things involved it's sure. an issue but for the guy that is generally in pretty good shape that runs maybe 3 to 5 miles a day or or a few times a week and then wants to play golf there there the correlation between the two is really not there if you think about it yeah and and you have have some people that um you've worked with or are working with that again there's there's a difference between Working out for general fitness, for more for mental health, and then for sport. And we're always kind of managing that with people because somebody that wants to lose 25 pounds and has to go do cardio and walk or run or jog or bike, um, that a lot of times competes with what they need to do on the golf course, right? It's it's not just because it's exercise doesn't mean it's the right one for your sport that potentially you're actually making yourself worse by running 20, 30 miles a week. You're getting more stiff. You're creating more imbalances and that actually might not be the best, the best bet for you if you, if you're, if the goal of golf is the most important thing. So a lot of what we do too is kind of understanding what people's goals are and then where they might be tripping up to make sure that they're able to sustain the activities that are, that are really important to them. Um, Anything else that you've seen amongst the um, that any observations that you've had or any anything you've you've seen that you want to kind of hit on? Um, I think to your point, like the exercise matters for that person. So like in golf, you have to learn how to hip hinge, right? You have to be able to hinge. So, but teaching someone a hinge in golf as opposed to someone with low back pain, you know, it's the same exercise, but it means something different to that person. Yeah, and I think that's the point that you're touching on with the exercise. I think, yeah, that's a good point. And I think the other one, you and I did a Zoom call one day where we went through some of the golf stuff that we do with our patients just so you and I could practice it. Um, And, you know, it was interesting as you and I were going through it, you just talked about how there you people do have to have the ability to hip hinge as golfers and many golfers have no concept of that but then on top of it which you and I were drilling a lot with the drill against the wall they have to be able to hinge and rotate at the same time it's a hard movement to do yeah really it's complex hard. yeah exactly so you start to see like wow and there's a lot of different moving parts here to get them going what i will say and i told my guys that this morning shout out to Shannon from Fiddler's Elbow where um you know, she and I kind of co-created this yards and years program 
which we've done religiously basically twice a week since January. The, yeah, since, since like January, the winter, yeah. January, March, April. You guys May. didn't miss a beat during COVID. And we went right back to it. Well, she kind of just set it all up. So credit to her for, for getting it going. And credit to, well, I think everybody really, because as before, about the beginning of March, golf season was supposed to start mm-hmm. and yards and years was supposed to end. And this was before we knew what was happening with COVID. And um, the guy, Greg, who kind of runs the Yards and Years program from their end, came to us and said, like, can we keep doing this during the season? We don't want to lose it. Like, we've mm-hmm. made so much progress. We don't want to lose it, which was awesome to hear for a lot of reasons. Obviously, they saw value in it, and, and they liked doing it, and um, they wanted to continue with it. And then, obviously, COVID happened, so that was their – they couldn't really do anything else. But what I will say is I've hosted a very similar – golf mobility class for like club senior level golfers Mm -hmm. between 50 and 65 years old with other populations. And I told these guys and I tell them often that like the ability and the movement patterns that they've gained this year is so far beyond what like my other golfers that haven't been doing it consistently um, can do. It's, it's actually pretty cool to see. I mean, these guys who came in, had no ability to rotate, no ability to do anything. And now you compare them to some of the other people we're working with that are new to it. It's it's fascinating. I was going to say from day one until today, I'm sure the improvement that you've seen has been drastic. I, have, I don't think I realized it until – so when we went to online Zoom classes, we invited like more people from the country club on – and every so it generally just keeps the same guys sure. but every so often someone someone else will come on that that's that hasn't gone through the program and you can see on the zoom call as as we're going through our stuff you can see the difference yeah between the guy that hasn't been there and the guy that has mm-hmm. it's 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 really cool to watch but it's one of those things that if you didn't have a comparison to see it would just be normal right that like the progress and I think more than anything, we could even do a separate episode on this. Um, it, I think the biggest observation, I think potentially with your patient that you've seen and that I've seen with these guys, generally speaking, it's what the fitness component has done for them, the mobility component in the off season has done. It's a lot of them have improved driving distance. A lot of them have improved, um, you know, distance off the tee and different things like that, and hopefully staying healthier than they would have. But I think the number one thing that I've seen the fitness piece has done for them is that they've gotten back to their game quicker, right? Much faster. I was going to say that like these guys are probably, you know, they play golf for what March to November, October, yeah, exactly, and then from October. End of October till March, you know, I don't think they were doing anything, anything. really. So this program that um, Justin and Shannon created has given them just twice a week some sort of golf-specific movement to help them. And I think I saw the, you sent me the email that one of your guys got, right? Yeah, so um, one of our guys, Roger, I think he's 81, and he said after his first round, he goes, I shot, I was hitting three woods further than I have basically kind of ever, and I shot an 89 today. So when I saw him, I said, Roger, 89, that's a really good score. Do you, you know, do you usually shoot that? And he said, not this early in the year. That was the biggest takeaway yeah. I took from that email. It's like, not this time of the year. Right. Because this we're recording this the day after they had the charity event with um, with Rory McIlroy and uh, Matty Wolf and Ricky Fowler and Dustin Johnson, you know, four of the best golfers in the world. 
And what was interesting, a lot of people were commenting and saying, you know, these guys were quarantined as well. They couldn't really play. And it was interesting to watch like them come out on the course. And again, they're still amazing, but they made more errors than you're used (laughs) to seeing. Like they would like flub a chip here and there. And it's like, wow, these guys are human. And this is what happens when you don't play for six or eight weeks, even at that level. So imagine like people like me or like me in 50 years, like Roger, who doesn't do anything in the off season, like how long it takes him to get back his timing and how long it takes him to get back his game and times that by like a hundred, if it happens to the guys that are pros. So, you know, any piece of that, that we can kind of help them maintain is, is truly remarkable, you know, and I think it's one of those things that's a, a hidden benefit or something probably that we wouldn't have even understood of what the value of it actually was unless we unless we were able to do it. Yeah, I remember I had the opportunity, I think it was the beginning of April, to fill in for you at Yards and Years, and I had a great time. And the guys, I mean, they were just so pleasant to work with. They were fun, and you could really see they were just enjoying working on their craft, I think the biggest thing that I saw from them. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's one of those things, especially the fitness component. You know, now for some of the younger golfers, it's it's very prevalent, but even the older professional golf community, it was never really a thing. And, you know, we debate on what's appropriate for golfers. But, you know, like these guys, most of them, I can tell you this, some of them may have been physically active and done done X, but none sure. of them have ever done anything that we would consider specific for golf. golf. Yeah. No, some I of them have done that. nothing, <laughs> nothing, legitimately nothing. Some of them have done like something, maybe they go for walks or whatever. Some of them have maybe done some more exercise and maybe done yoga and Pilates and worked out with a trainer, but I can guarantee none of them have done anything like we golf have done specific. with them yeah. golf specific in a way that, that. that is useful. And, and it's, and again, it's adding that component of rotation and, and hip hinging and a lot of those type of things. Um, so it's been, that's been really, really fun and, and really cool to see. And I'm super excited for these guys. Luckily, I will say, I guess it's a it's a humble brag a little bit that uh, these guys who I look at, I'm like, man, these guys are like 80 and they're shooting an 89. I don't know if I could ever do that. But luckily, I actually broke that score the other day. So now I feel like I'm in the group You're a little bit. You're in the group bit. with them now, right? But I mean, my God, 81 shooting an 89. I'm like, holy <laughs> God. And again, I could bench press him out of the room. Who cares? I could mo- I'm more mobile than he is. Who cares? He can still because it. he could get his club face square, and he and he gets the ball on the green, and he probably makes some putts. But an eighty nine at any age is phenomenal. So my so now I feel like not as big of a loser. Yeah, you're part of the, you're one of them now. Hopefully, right? we'll see. <laughs> so we have a new motto again. We have a new motto in yards and years because one of the complaints that we've gotten in the last few weeks from quite a few people is like, "Oh, how's your game?" They're like, "Oh, yeah, it's good." Or, uh, my chipping sucks. I can't get out of the sand. I three put four greens the other day. And so I told Shannon, and I'm, I'm actually kind of serious about using it. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but our motto for yards and years going forward, our slogan is going to be yards and years to make you complain about your putting, right? Because if you come to us and say you're driving the ball further, your back doesn't really hurt, you feel better after a round, and the only problem is you can't putt. I'd say that's a win. We did our job. I'd say that's a win. We did our job. And then Shannon came to me at one point after, and she's like, well, what, can we do anything, like help them with them? I'm like, no. 
Like that. <laughs> no, we can't. It's okay. Like we we've done we've done our job. Like I'm happy. Like that's what's supposed to happen. Go. Let's get them into a golf guy that knows how to putt. I don't know how to putt. I don't know how to putt. Like you know, I can't help them with anything on the. Nor should I. Um, but we can help them feel better and potentially hit the ball further. Teach them how to use their body and do and all not that get stuff. hurt. I, yeah. I take that because they say putting is the only thing that potentially somebody like you and I could do as well as a professional. Because there's the physical skill of it is not really there. Yeah, but if you put me on a driver, I'm well, you, not going very yeah, far. You're not exactly a rotational. No. Athlete. Working on it, but my rotation's pretty atrocious right now. <laughs> All right. Anything else that you've got? Um, I don't think so. I'm just I mean, I think we've been very lucky to be able to offer telehealth in this time, yeah. to be able to utilize it. Um, and like we said, it's been a smooth transition. Yeah, it has been a very smooth transition. The only thing that hasn't been smooth is the uh the level that your hair looks like right now. If you got, yeah. Well, we won't take a picture. I just shaved my beard, so if I didn't shave my beard, I don't think you would let me in the office. I'd let you. Or recognize me. But the hair, I'm, I'm deciding to grow it out. So, audience, if you guys see us on Instagram, you'll see some long hair soon. I think typically there there was probably a rule, like an unwritten rule, that the doctors shouldn't wear hats when treating <laughs> patients. But I think during COVID-19, that rule will be lifted. And if someone wants to wear a hat because their hair is a complete train wreck, um, I think we'll I think we'll allow it during this time. Would you see me with no hats for almost a whole year of knowing me? And then within the last, what, week, two weeks, I've only worn hats? Yeah, well, me too. Every, every call I do, I wear a hat because yeah. it's, it's Afro-ish. <laughs> so, all right. Good job. Anything else you got? No, until next time. Until next time. All right. Signing off. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast brought to you by Strive to Move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com slash our services. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These ebooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no-obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the Talk to the Doctor First button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.